Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish people. in his 40s is dead after a shooting in Scarborough. But this happened near Shepherd and Morningside Avenue last night. Chopper 24 is above the scene now. You can see the police crime tape is still up there. Police and paramedics say they were called to this parking lot about 11.30 last night. The victim was rushed to hospital where he was later pronounced dead. At this point, police haven't released any suspect descriptions. I think what is important to note is that, um, you know, Craig was just a regular guy. You know, he was an exceptional person, but he was a regular guy. And, you know, never once did I ever think that something like this would happen to anyone I know, let alone Craig. And if it could happen to him, if this could happen to my family, it could happen to anyone you know we don't know who's sitting beside us at Boston Pizza you know and we don't know who's you know driving in front of us and we don't we, we don't know um, and it's um, it's it's a scary thought you know and I think you know we because we don't think you know we don't want to walk around thinking that something like this is going to happen to us you know uh until it does that um and then all of a sudden your 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 world is blown open and so i would say as hard as it is is to like put yourself in our shoes for a moment you know and think about you know something like this happening to your family because it could very well happen you know because again Never, ever, ever did I think that something like this would happen. And then it did. And so why I'm asking you that and why, you know, I, I, I want to kind of put that across and say, like, you know, put yourselves in our shoes is because we need help. We need help to get the word out. We need help to keep his face out there. You know, we need people to be looking. We need people to be sharing this because who knows might see it and and, and then be able to provide some information uh, about where he is at this time. Or who knows who might see it, who might actually, you know, see him 
walking around somewhere, you know? So the more that we can um, keep his face out there, um, the, the better chance that, um, you know, we can, we can get this guy. On the evening of October 13th, 2021, a 43-year-old Scarborough man walked into a restaurant with friends. The man was a revered member of his community with a generous spirit, a father, a brother, a son, and a partner. The Toronto Maple Leafs had just won their home opener, and the evening had a jovial feel. But a brief altercation with a stranger would change everything. Within an hour of arriving at the restaurant, the man was shot by a stranger. He would not survive. The suspected killer has been identified, but is still at large. Tonight's episode covers the murder of Craig McDonald. And this is True North True Crime. everyone and welcome back to True North True Crime. Thanks for joining us. As is our custom, we want to start off this episode by thanking some of our listeners for buying us coffee for this week's episode. So a big thank you to Jane, Cheryl, Alexander, Kim, Cheryl K, Dennis, and Donna. If you would like to donate coffee to the podcast for an upcoming episode, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. We also have merchandise for sale at our Tea Public store, and if you would like to purchase some TNTC swag, we will link that in our show notes. Also, you can follow us on social media at TNTC Pod and say hi. If you are new to True North True Crime, we are an independent Canadian podcast bringing attention to cases of missing people and victims of violent crime. We are a two-person team producing these episodes from start to finish, and we seek to raise awareness for these stories. We appreciate all of your episode suggestions, and we want to let you know that we do prioritize cases that come to us from family members or close contacts. So if your family member, friend, or loved one is struggling to get attention for a missing or murdered person, please reach out to us. There are many ways that you can participate if you don't want to be on mic or if you want to be off record. Feel free to reach out to us at truenorthtruecrime at gmail.com. In our last episode, we covered the suspicious death of Megan Hester, and we wanted to update you that a couple of things have happened as a result of our listeners. At the end of episodes, we always try to find a way that our listeners can help. Well, last week, one of our listeners reached out to a friend who saw Megan that night. This witness got in touch with us, and we were able to pass that information along to Megan's mother. Another one of our listeners shared our episode with a reporter who has now contacted Megan's mom to do an article on Megan's case. Now, obviously, these two instances don't solve the case, but they do move the dial. And that matters. So we wanted to bring this to your attention because moments like this do happen frequently with the podcast. And we are just super grateful to have such engaged listeners. You're all making a difference. And we just want to say thank you. There has also been an update on episode 44, The Abduction of Elnaz Hajtamiri. 
For those familiar with that case, Elnaz was assaulted in December 2021, and then she was abducted in January of 2022. According to investigators with the York Regional Police, they have identified two suspects wanted in connection with the attack that occurred in Richmond Hill in December, prior to her later kidnapping in January in Wasega Beach. A Canada-wide arrest warrant has been issued for one of the suspects, 23-year-old Harshdeep Binner. The other suspect, 23-year-old Ryasat Singh, has been taken into custody. Their charges include attempted murder and attempted kidnapping. We hope that this leads to El Nas being found and the perpetrators being prosecuted. Let's get into tonight's episode. As an additional content warning, we want to let you know that this episode contains subject matter related to gun violence. So tonight we are talking about the unprosecuted murder of 43-year-old Craig McDonald. Craig was murdered in cold blood by a stranger in a Scarborough parking lot on October 13, 2021. A Canada-wide warrant for first-degree murder has been issued for Abilaziz Mohammed, a 32-year-old Toronto man. Abilaziz is still at large and has not been found. Abilaziz Mohammed is described as 5 foot 10, 190 pounds with a stocky build, with black hair, brown eyes, and he has a full beard with a mustache. He is believed to be armed and dangerous. If located, do not approach him and call 911 immediately. Abilaziz Mohammed has the right to the assumption of innocence until he is proven guilty at trial. However, the fact that he is evading capture is prolonging this process and is causing more harm to an already traumatized family. He needs to be found and brought to the authorities. This is another urgent case that needs our attention. The impact this murder has had on Craig's family and friends is immense. Craig was well-loved and a well-respected person. He is a father of five children with two stepchildren and a grandchild. We put this episode together using publicly available news articles. We also spoke to Craig's sister, Dreema McDonald. We need to stress that this is an ongoing investigation that has not gone to trial. Therefore, we need to be mindful of how we speak about the investigation, so that nothing said in this episode can impact a trial. There are going to be times where we need to be purposefully vague and err on the side of caution. This case takes place in Scarborough, Toronto, Ontario. For those unfamiliar with Scarborough, it is a district of Toronto located in the eastern part of the city. Scarborough has a population of about 700,000 people. Scarborough is one of the most diverse areas of not only Toronto, but of Canada. In 2021, Craig McDonald was a 43-year-old man living in Scarborough. He had actually spent his whole life working and living there. In fact, Craig and his sister Dreema were Scarborough kids from day one. Dreema and Craig grew up together with their parents, and when their parents split up, they were co-parented by their mom and dad. Despite the usual separation anxieties brought on by divorce, Craig and Dreema always had each other. We asked Dreema to tell us a little about her brother, Craig. Yeah, so um, it was just the two of us. Um, You know, he's my younger brother. Um, We grew up in Scarborough. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, we still, um, you know, spent most of our our childhood um, in Scarborough. Um, We... We're really close um, growing up. Um, we, our parents sort of divorced when, when we were young. Um, so we had those typical 
sort of um, you know dynamics of of of, of kids growing up um, in a in that kind of separated household. Um, but you know, we always sort of had each other, um, and um, he um, he was always a really tender-hearted kid, very sensitive kid, you know, and um, he. Um, People were always really drawn to him. He um, he had these beautiful eyes, <laughs> and I can't even describe the color. And um, he they were so intense um, that he had like these just these long dark eyelashes. And when he was a kid, people would ask him, like, "Are you wearing makeup?" <laughs> because it looked like he was wearing makeup. And um, I remember. I remember um, we used to go to this Chinese food place uh, in the neighborhood and the ladies there used to fawn over him um, so much so that they had asked him what his favorite dish was. And every time we went there, he got free chicken balls. <laughs> so, um, but um, yeah, so he, um, he loved chess. Uh, I remember one time being in uh, class and there was an announcement on the, um, on the speaker saying that, you know, Craig McDonald had won this chess tournament, and I didn't even know <laughs> that he played chess. Uh, it was just something he picked up and he took to it, and uh, and then he taught me how to play chess. Um, he um, he became a dad really early. He was actually sixteen when he had his first um, his first son. He was now twenty eight years old, and uh, but he he was always a really good dad. And um, he really took to it. And by the time he was 18, um, he got a job where where he worked on, until up until his death. He worked there for um, just under 25 years. He was coming up on his 25th year, actually, this year. And uh, he started in the laundry and um, just worked his way around and learned the ropes in all the different departments and um, eventually became the manager of building services and maintenance. And um, he was really good at his job. Um, his employees loved him. Um, everybody loved him. Everybody knew him. <laughs> um, he was such a fixture in that building. And he was, um, he was the kind of guy who, you know, asked you how you were and like actually cared about the answer. I was actually listening to the answer. You know, he knew people's names. Um, you know, he'd be walking by somebody and looked like they were having a bad day. And he would say, Hey, did you have your coffee yet? And, uh, you know, if the answer was no, he'd, uh, he'd go and he knew exactly what they would, how they took their coffee and he'd bring them a coffee. And, uh, you know, he was just really like a helper at heart. You know, he, seemed to always have a friend who was camped out on his couch <laughs> that he was helping out. Um, you know, he was always there. Um, you know, if you needed to build a deck, he was going to come and he was going to bring friends and they built that deck in a day, you know? And, um, he, um, he would go out of his way. It was like, almost like he hated to say no, you know? And, um, he would just always like it. If he had to, he would like always be trying to find like some kind of solution, you know? And, um, he just always just went out of his way and went above and beyond and everything. Um, I remember, um, 
this um, thing that happened about, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago where um, he was outside of work, like on the street, um, having a cigarette on a break. And um, this woman got off the bus and she was heading for the hospital. And um, Craig noticed that she was visibly soiled. And so he started walking with her and said, you know, hey, are you, um, you going to visit somebody? And, and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to visit my friend. And, she, and he said, um, well, I, I don't know uh, if you know this, but, you know, you've got something on, on the back of you. And, and uh, she said, oh, yeah, I, I sat in something. And, um, and he said, oh, he said, well, he said, um, why don't you sit here on this bench and I'm going to see what we can do to, to help you out. And he went inside and he found a friend who was another kind soul, um, actually in a very senior position in the hospital who had, had a nursing background and told her what was going on. And the two of them um, brought this person in and helped to clean her up bought her some new clothes from the, um, the closing donation uh, area that they have at the hospital and uh, fixed her up so that she could go see her friend, you know? And, like, those are things, like, people don't know, you know? And he didn't go around telling it. And, you know, and, and as many good things that I knew about him, you know, um, there was so much more that I even learned, you know, after he died with people saying like, you know, he did this for me and he did that for me. And um, that's just the kind of person he was. So Craig grew up in the Scarborough area and remained there into adulthood. He became a father at just 16 years old. And when he turned 18, his mom got him a job working for Scarborough's Providence Healthcare. Craig started working in the laundry department during his almost 25 years there. He worked his way up to being a building maintenance manager by all accounts, he was well-liked by his colleagues. Providence Healthcare's Vice President of Clinical Program stated, Craig was well-respected and a beloved member of our plant services team who has been with our organization for nearly 25 years. He has worked in several departments at Providence, including supply chain, logistics, housekeeping, and renovations. He was always there to help and support his team and colleagues. Craig was known for his way of connecting with people and was always a team player who embraced change and fostered a welcoming work environment. In 2020, he was nominated for the Providence Our Shared Values Inclusivity Award. Colleagues who nominated him said that he was always respectful, polite, and patient when dealing with patients and residents who are affected by changes to their spaces. The story Dreema shared of how he helped the woman who was visibly soiled is just another example of Craig's compassionate and generous nature. Many of Craig's good deeds were done without other people looking. As a dad, Craig would go on to have five kids, two stepkids, and a grandchild, all by the age of 43. Craig's first marriage ended in divorce, but by all accounts, they continued to be on good terms. His ex-wife has stated that Craig was a good man, a family man, who is well-known and so well-loved. In recent years, Craig found love again and had a new partner that he was walking through life with. He was doing his best to be a good stepdad to her kids. Dreema shared a little more with us about Craig's family life. So, yeah, so Craig um, had five children in total, um, ranging in age from 
um, well, now he's he's 28, um, and the youngest is is uh, eight. Um, will be nine this year. Um, he had a granddaughter because his oldest son um, had um, has a daughter. Um, and he was he was with um, a partner, um, and she had two children, and um, and he was very very close to them. He was teaching his stepdaughter how to drive, and you know, wait up for her at night uh, to make sure she was in okay. And um, you know, he just he loved kids, you know, and um, he was really family oriented. Um, he was a, a good dad, um, a good friend. And, uh, and, um, he just really loved his family. In fact, you know, how he came to work where he worked was, um, you know, my mother worked there for 30 years until her retirement in 2018. And, uh, she, you know, she got us very involved with volunteering and, um, you know, it was what we would refer to kind of because my mother worked there was as the family business, you know, and uh, it was just something near and dear to his heart. Craig was an incredibly social person. He had lots of friends and loved his family. Like most social people, the COVID pandemic put a damper on his in-person connections with others. In October of 2021, COVID precautions in Ontario were starting to lift. This was an exciting time for Craig a time he could start to plan for in-person connections with others and perhaps take a well-deserved family vacation. Oh, gosh, you know, he had he had talked about, you know, going on vacation. You know, COVID really kind of put a damper. Like, Craig was such a social person. Um, he just loved to be around people. Um, and he hated lockdown. He really hated it. Um, that it kept, uh, you know, us apart. It kept him apart from his family. It kept him apart from his friends. Um, and so, yeah, he had been talking about, um, you know, with his family and, and had said, you know, to his stepdaughter, like, you know, we, we should, you know, go to Cuba and when this is all over. And um, so, yeah, you know, and he was, he was young, you know, he was 43 years old. He had worked at, you know, his job for almost 25 years and he was looking forward to Freedom 55, you know, and um, he loved to golf and he loved to fish and, you know, he was just really looking forward to that. And it's just such a shame that he worked so hard all his life, you know, from the age of 18 and uh, to not even be able to you know, enjoy the things that he loves and have his own time. Like a lot of people from Scarborough, Craig was a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And no matter how well they were playing or how terrible they were playing, Craig would watch all of their games and wear the right jersey for the right game. On October 13th, 2021, Craig's beloved Maple Leafs were playing their division rivals, the Montreal Canadiens. Not only that, but this was the Leafs' home opener of the 2021 season. After the previous season was disrupted and delayed, many Canadians were excited for what was looking like a normal hockey season, and Craig was no exception. He donned his Leafs jersey. In fact, it was a number 34 Austin Matthews jersey. Then Craig, his partner, and another couple watched the game at a private residence. The minute details of what happened on the evening of Wednesday, October 13th, 2021, are not publicly available. 
but there are some details that we need to clear up. In the media rush to get the story out, there have been a few details that were misreported. For instance, the media stated that Craig was at Boston Pizza watching the game all night. This was wrong. He watched the game at a private residence. Yeah, so um, what happened was it was the Leafs' first um, game of the regular season. My brother was a huge Leafs fan, through thick and thin. <laughs> you couldn't tell him anything bad about the Leafs. You know, he was he would wear a jersey every um, every Leafs game. You know, if they were home, he'd wear the home jersey. If he was there away, he'd wear the away jersey. And he didn't miss a game. And uh, he had taken actually the next day off, the Thursday. So this um, all happened on on the Wednesday, October the thirteenth. Um, he um, he was went with his partner and another couple, and they went to a private residence and they watched the game there. And uh, after the game, they they left and they were headed home. And on the way home very nearby he, he lived not too far away from the boston pizza and um, that was a place that um he had started kind of hanging out at when he was living um had moved nearby um and during when the raptors were were in the playoffs um and he had made um a bunch of friends there um through that and um but then of course you know during lockdown everything was closed and he hadn't been there in quite some time actually but uh that night unfortunately when they were on their way home he said you know let's let's pass by and you know have a beer and, and see who's there and uh and that's how they they ended up at boston pizza um after the game so after watching the game at a private residence, Craig and the crew decided to stop at Boston Pizza on the way home. During the Toronto Raptors' big championship win in 2019, Craig had become a bit of a regular at that establishment. But during the pandemic, he wasn't able to frequent the restaurant as much for games. For those unaware, Boston Pizza is a sit-down style restaurant and bar with many TVs, perfect for a night out with friends. This particular Boston pizza was located just five minutes away from Craig's home. For those familiar with the area, this Boston pizza is located at Cinemart Drive and Milner Avenue. This franchise is located along the 401 Highway. Craig would have been in good spirits that night. The Leafs went into the third period, tied 1-1 with the Canadians. But just a minute into the third period, William Nylander scored what would be the game-winning goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs, thus giving them a 2-1 victory and starting the season off with a W. NHL games usually end around 10 or 10.30, so Craig, his partner, and friends arrived at Boston Pizza just before 11 p.m. They entered the Boston Pizza and grabbed a table. At some point, Craig and a man had what is being called an altercation. We do not know what the altercation was about or how it started. We also do not know if it was physical or verbal or both. But it seemed to diffuse quickly. The manager of the Boston Pizza came over and asked the man to leave. The man was then escorted out of the restaurant and out to his car. That should have been the end of it. Now this next detail has also been misreported. 
Some media outlets have stated that a longer period of time elapsed between the altercation and what happened next. This is inaccurate. It was a very short period of time after the altercation when Craig decided to go outside for a cigarette. Craig may have been feeling rattled by the whole ordeal. This was not how he wanted his night to go. So Craig went out the side door of the Boston Pizza to have a cigarette. He was joined by his partner and their friends. Craig lit his cigarette. Just then his friend noticed the man from the altercation coming towards them. We're going to let Dreema tell us in her words what she knows of what happened next that night. Yeah, probably probably a little shortly before 11 or so. And um, so they weren't there, obviously, very long because, um, you know, it's on record that um, the call came in for our 911 around 1140 or so. So uh, things changed very, very quickly that night. He was really celebrating on a high from that leaf swim. And... Um, there was um, an altercation with the perpetrator. And um, at that time, um, after the altercation, um, the manager actually was escorting him out and trying to get him to leave and and go to his car. Um, Just a, a little while later, um, Craig had popped out to the side door to have a cigarette and um, you know his friends were uh, coming out with him after that and uh, following him out and then his uh, friend noticed that the perpetrator was um, walking back across the parking lot towards the Boston Pizza towards Craig and he had a gun and he said he has a gun, and uh, he fired more than one shot, one of which hit Craig in the chest. So within an hour of arriving at Boston Pizza, Craig was involved in an altercation with a stranger. The stranger was asked to leave the establishment, but rather than leaving, the stranger chose to come back with a gun. This man could have left the scene. He was free to do so. The altercation was over, but he stayed. And he went to his car, possibly to retrieve his gun. And then when Craig exited a side door to have a cigarette, the man took that opportunity to take Craig's life in cold blood. The man fired multiple shots with murderous intent, endangering the lives of Craig, his partner, their friends, the patrons of the restaurant, and anyone who was passing by. At around 11.40 p.m., 911 calls went out. Paramedics and police responded to the scene immediately. But by then, the suspect had already fled. Paramedics and police rendered aid to Craig in the parking lot. Eventually, Craig was rushed to hospital with a gunshot wound to his chest. Tragically, Craig would succumb to his injuries. Craig McDonald would die at the hospital in the early morning hours of October 14, 2021. Craig would be Toronto's 65th homicide out of the 84 murders recorded in 2021, making 2021 the third deadliest year in almost two decades for the city of Toronto. To this day, Craig's killer is still on the loose, which is why we are doing this episode. We are now going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. 
when we come back, we will talk to Dreema about the impact that Craig's murder has had on her family and the investigation into his death. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Exactly two weeks ago, the family of 43-year-old Craig McDonald got the worst news of their lives. The father of five, recent grandfather, and 25-year employee at Providence Health, who worked his way up from linen services to manager of maintenance, was fatally shot. Never in a million years. Wrong place, wrong time. Craig McDonald was a diehard Maple Leafs fan who often came to the Scarborough Boston Pizza to watch the game with family and friends. For 10 days, investigators released little information about the case until Saturday when police announced a warrant had been issued for 32-year-old Abilaziz Mohammed, wanted for first-degree murder. It's such a cowardly act. It's such a cowardly act. You have, if somebody, you have a beef with somebody, you know, you don't settle it that way. But this has impacted hundreds of people. There were hundreds of people at his funeral. The family is begging the accused to turn himself in and pleading for a ceasefire in this city. This gun violence has got to stop. Catherine McDonald, Global News. So before the break, we talked a lot about who Craig McDonald was and the positive influence he was to the people around him. The 43-year-old was a father to five kids, a stepfather to two, and a new grandfather. Within his friend groups, he would organize events and love being with his community. Within his work life, he was revered and respected. And when no one was looking, he was generous to the point of helping strangers. But sadly, Craig's life was inconceivably cut short after a brief altercation with a stranger at a restaurant. Most Canadians may never know the pain of losing a loved one to violence. It's believed that we live in one of the safest countries in the world and that our laws will help keep our loved ones protected. This type of loss is inconceivable to most. We asked Dreema to help us to understand the impact that this loss has had on Craig's family and his community. As I said, you know, Craig was well-loved by everyone, you know. He was just a good guy. And everybody seemed, he seemed to know everybody. And everybody seemed to know Craig, you know. And, um... He, um, it was, it's been really difficult. You know, it was a, it was a big loss for his work family. Um, it was a, a big loss for, um, uh, for us, obviously, uh, his five children, you know, one of which, uh, the youngest of which is, is only eight years old. 
um, you know, and you've got five children now um, who don't have their father. Um, you know, my, my parents have lost a son. I've lost my brother, my, my, one of my best friends, you know, his, his partner, uh, who, you know, they were planning to grow old together and they had, you know, plans themselves. Um, you know, that's all gone. It's, um, I can't even, it's really hard to describe um, something like this happening because, you know, I don't think I need to, just, anybody who's lost somebody knows this feeling, right? But it's, um, there's this extra layer when there's somebody responsible for it, you know, when there was um, absolutely no reason for it to happen, you know, it wasn't an accident, you know. Uh, there was no act of God. There was no, you know, this was a, a deliberate act that did not need to happen, you know. Mm. And um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's really difficult. And then it's compounded by the fact that he remains out there. Um, and then, and then, of course, the fact that, you know, uh, there's no media attention on this. You know, the Toronto media hasn't touched this since October, you know, and um, it's it's so frustrating. So it's up to the family to try and circulate Crime Stopper posts. It's up to the family to try and get attention um, on this in, in other ways so that we have um, updated things to share and try and keep his face out there and, um, you know, make sure that people are still looking for him. So as Dreema has stated, there was a man who has been positively identified as the shooter. His name is Abilaziz Mohammed. He is 32 years old and is believed to be a resident of the Orton Park area of Scarborough. We will speak more about Abilaziz, but first we need to talk about the charges. On October 23, 2021, the Ontario Prosecution Office agreed to charge Abilaziz Mohammed with the first-degree murder of Craig McDonald. There are several factors that go into a charge of first-degree murder. The most commonly understood is premeditation or planning. Many detectives and prosecutors will tell you how difficult premeditation is to prove in court. Material evidence needs to be used to get inside of a killer's mind and show beyond a reasonable doubt that a murder was premeditated. Abilaziz had an altercation with Craig. This is not in question. Abilaziz was removed from the restaurant. The altercation at this point was over, but Abilaziz chose to come back with a gun and used it to kill Craig. This is planning and premeditation. He could have left the scene at any time. He was not scared for his life. This was not an accident. He had time to walk away and chose to come back. He fired multiple rounds at a crowd of people with an intent to murder. Another aspect of this crime that we need to cover is around gun laws in Canada. For our listeners outside of Canada, we want to be very clear that Canada has quite specific gun legislation. If one wishes to own a gun for range shooting, sports shooting, hunting, or collecting, they can apply for a Possession and Acquisition License, or PAL. With this, they can own and purchase certain types of firearms. These firearms need to be stored and transported properly meaning you can only transport them to and from the range, a gun show, or a hunting ground. 
the ammo and the gun must be stored separately and the guns locked away. If a person wishes to own a handgun, which is considered a restricted firearm, they can apply for an RPAL or a restricted license. Again, the same transportation and storage laws apply. There are about 450,000 RPAL licenses in Canada out of 38 million people. Open carry in Canada, meaning carrying a gun visibly in public, is restricted mostly to law enforcement. There are also very few instances when a Canadian will be granted a conceal and carry license. This is reserved for law enforcement and extreme circumstances. The practice of conceal and carry is generally prohibited in Canada. Section 90 of the Criminal Code prohibits carrying a concealed weapon unless authorized for a lawful occupational purpose under the Firearms Act. Section 20 of the Firearms Act allows issuance of an authorization to carry or open carry in limited circumstances. This is all to say that the fact that Abilaziz allegedly had a loaded pistol in his car or on his person that he was able to retrieve and use so quickly is incredibly illegal. It is incredibly unlikely that this was a legally owned firearm. This points to character. What kind of person illegally carries a pistol to a restaurant on a Wednesday night? It is well documented that Toronto has illegal firearms on the streets. This demand is usually driven by organized crime groups. In 2021, roughly three quarters of the firearms seized by the Toronto police were illegal for Canadians to purchase, own, or possess. Many of these guns are being smuggled at the Detroit-Windsor crossing and then onto the streets of Canada. In late October, a Canada-wide warrant was issued for Abil Aziz Mohammed for the first-degree murder of Craig McDonald. An observation that has been had is the photo of the suspect that the Toronto Police Service used looks a lot like the kind of photo that is taken when a person is taken into custody. These are more commonly known as mugshots. So it is possible that this man has had prior interaction with law enforcement. So we have a man with a possible illegal firearm that is illegally being carried, who was known to police, and who is now suspected of committing a murder outside of a restaurant in one of Toronto's busiest neighborhoods. So where is he? Well, he's on the run, and someone is aiding and abetting him. He needs money, shelter, phones, and identification. People must know he is hiding, and they're keeping him hidden. We asked Dreema what she could tell us about the investigation, for good reason, her answers are vague, but her knowledge is important to hear. The police actually didn't release the suspect information until, um, I think it was October 23rd. It was about two days before the funeral. Um, however, they, they knew who it was. Um, he was positively identified. And um, the reasons for that, I can only speculate um, but, um, but yeah, it was, um, it took quite some time for them to put out that information. So, um, unfortunately, I, I mean, unfortunately, uh, but I understand why, um, you know, the police cannot tell us very much and that's to protect the integrity of the investigation and, you know, so that they don't information doesn't get out that will hinder the um, investigation or the eventual prosecution, you know, and that is also why um, I'm being 
very careful about what I say as well. And, you know, um, because that is, you know, paramount <laughs> to all of this is, is to make sure that we don't interfere in any way. And, um, and I, and I get it because, you know, they tell us something and, you know, I tell one person and they tell one person and before you know it, everybody knows. So it's really frustrating to not be able to, um, you know, get frequent updates and know exactly where they are um, in the investigation. But, um, you know, what I have been told is that this is case is still very active, um, that they work it every day and that it is high priority for them to um, capture this individual. Um, and, uh, and so I, I just have to keep sort of the faith, um, that that's going to happen. You know, they know exactly what happened. They know exactly who did this. Um, the only thing they don't know is where he is right now. We have learned a little bit more about Abilaziz Mohammed. We know that he goes under a few nicknames. His aliases include Al, Didi, and he is also known as Shimmy. We will post the photo provided by Toronto Police Service on our social media, but from what we understand, his looks have changed a little. In the Crime Stoppers photo, he has quite a round face and light beard with very short hair. But this has likely changed. He's now believed to have a thinner face, full beard, and mustache, with his hair possibly in braids under a ball cap. He is 5 foot 10 inches tall, 190 pounds, with a stocky build. While he may very well be hiding in the Scarborough area, he does have connections in Alberta, possibly Calgary or Edmonton. Two days after the police released the name and photo of the murder suspect, Craig's family held his funeral at the Resthaven Memorial Gardens. Craig was laid to rest in his Maple Leafs jersey. Over 300 people turned out, including family friends and workmates. All of them dressed for the white and blue themed ceremony in honor of his favorite team. Funeral costs can be a further challenge to surviving family members in the aftermath of violent crime. Members of Craig's community launched a GoFundMe with a goal of $30,000. That goal was surpassed with donations reaching above $39,000. The money from this drive went to both the funeral costs and a trust for Craig's children. 372 people donated, which is such a huge indicator of the impact Craig had on those who knew him. We first came across one of Dreama's Facebook posts about this case in February of 2022. We held off on contacting her as we thought this case would come to a conclusion soon. After all, the police identified the suspect and had a warrant for his arrest. But since that day, we continued to see Dreama post on Facebook looking for help. But it's now April and that suspect has not been captured. This is why we reached out to Dreama. We speak to many families about the challenges of getting media attention for their loved ones, and Dreama is no different. We asked her to share about her experience. It's shocking, but you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And, and then until you go through this, and until you, until you start looking at that, um, and, and the, the lack of, of, of coverage that things like this get, you know, and I, you know, being on the side now of, of families, why are families having to search for bodies? Why are families having to search for killers? Why does my Facebook page have to be filled with my brother's murderer? It makes me absolutely sick to my stomach every time I have to look at it. And I cannot wait 
until I can erase every single one of his pictures off of Facebook completely. And he's behind bars. Dreamer raises points that we have heard echoed by other families. We watch family after family create missing persons groups, organize grid searches, hire private investigators, chase media, raise funds, and also go heavily into debt to either find their loved ones or find justice for them. They do this while living with grief, loss, and the trauma associated with the violence that occurred. And this is not meant to be an indictment on law enforcement or the justice system. It just seems that there is a demand for a third system that supports victims and victims' families in a more robust way. We asked Dreema what justice will look like in this case. Well, um, and that would be that, you know, the, the person who did this um, is, is found, uh, is arrested, is prosecuted, and hopefully um, will go to jail for a very long time. This seems like a simple thing to ask for, and yet justice continues to be elusive in this case. We asked Dreema how our listeners can help. Oh, thank you. Um, that's a good question. And, you know, thank you for, for, for doing this, this podcast because, as I mentioned, it's like, it's up to the family to, like, hunt for this killer. Um, and, you know, at this time, it's limited to right now us sharing things on facebook you know there's um crime stoppers uh, the toronto crime stoppers they they have a post but it hasn't been updated since um january i've, I've asked them if they could please reshare with a, a more current date so when you if you come across these posts um share them uh, share this podcast um you know raise that awareness a, a lot of people don't even know this happened and, and people who live in the area, too. I've seen it over and over again when I try and share the, um, the, the Crime Stoppers posts or, or uh, another post. Um, and I've seen comments where people are like, oh, I live right near this and I've never heard that, you know. And that is, like, just unbelievable to me, you know. And, but no wonder why. Because, again, it happens. It goes on the media. And then nothing they do nothing else about it, you know? When we have armed and dangerous criminals with Canada-wide warrants um, out there, why is this not on the nightly news every single night, you know? Sign off with uh, pictures, a rolling picture of everybody who's wanted, you know? So that we don't have this false sense of security when we have killers walking among us. If you hear this episode, we ask that you share it. Find articles about Craig's murder and share them on your social media. If you're a new media person, podcaster, YouTuber, cover this case. If you are in legacy media, look into this case. If Abil Aziz Mohammed is still in Canada, he may be hiding in your community. Please know that he is very dangerous. Do not approach him. He is described by police as 5 foot 10 inches tall and 190 pounds with a stocky build brown eyes, black hair, and a full beard with a mustache. Police said he is believed to be armed and dangerous, advising anyone who sees him to immediately call 911 and not approach him. Anyone with information about the investigation is asked to contact the Homicide Squad at 416-808-7400. Anonymous tips can be provided through Crime Stoppers at 222tips.com or 416-808-7400. 
416-222-TIPS. That's 416-222-8467. We would like to thank Dreama for trusting us to tell Craig's story. Our hearts go out to his family and community. We hope that there is an arrest soon in this case and that justice is swift. We want to thank you all again for joining us on this episode. Our producers on the podcast are Donna, Dennis, Cheryl, Shelley, Kathleen, Mandy, Alicia, L.A., Vicki, Barbara, Colleen, Blair, Melanie, Alberta, Carolyn, Barbara, Shandy, Kelly, Jimmy, Shandy, Jessa, Lisa Marie, Thomas, Maureen, Lorena, Colleen, Susan, Kennedy, and Alex and Andrea. We will be back soon with a new episode, so until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.